Well, this is a little bit different. Um, even in this introduction so far, I've already begun to say more than I have in the last three days. So this podcast is going to be slightly different because I'm going to be talking about the fact that I have spent the last three and a bit days on a silent retreat. Um, yeah, let's just get to the point. It was as weird as it sounds. Um, but yeah, I decided to go on a silent retreat for a few days and outside of saying thank you as I left and I've just got home and spoken to the people that I live with briefly, outside of that, I haven't really spoken or heard my own voice for the last three and a half. I bet you're thinking, lucky you, not heard your own voice. Um, but I haven't heard my own voice or the voice of others or any conversation or had anything for the last three days. No electricity, no technology, um, nothing that we're used to every day. So I thought it'd be interesting to do a podcast just talking about what, why I did it, what it was like, my thoughts, my takeaways, um, and how it went. So yeah, it was like, I think a lot of the time, people, these sort of things, um, and this was definitely my experience, what I thought when uh, I saw some of the other people who were taking part, obviously only what I see from the outside, but I think sometimes people go on these sort of retreats or getaways or whatever to, to do a little bit of soul searching and digging and all these sort of things. That wasn't why I did it at all. Um, like, it was almost a little bit like Eat, Pray, Love crossed with Carl Pilkington. I wasn't like emotionally invested. I wouldn't class myself as very spiritual or religious. So it wasn't really from that side of things that I wanted to do it. Um, but the reason why I did it basically, I think I mentioned this on a podcast before. I recently read Will Smith's book and he says in it, he talked about this in a massive spoil, but he went and did a silent retreat in his own home. He did it for 14 days, two weeks, I, having just done three days which I'll, I'll come to in a minute. I don't understand how. But basically, he talked about how difficult it was. And when I saw that and read that in his book, my very first instinct was, nah, mate, there is no way I could possibly do that. And the second, like I had a split second, within me reading that sentence and saying that in my head that no way I could do that, I think within 20 minutes I booked my own because I think as soon as I told myself, no, I couldn't do it, a little competitive side or stubborn side in my head was like, nah, mate, you've got to do it now. Um, so that's what I did. I booked this this three-day silent retreat. I think that's important, right? Because do you know when kids are younger, how many times, and I'm sure anyone who's got kids or, or has young members of family or whatever, I'm sure if they said something like, I can't do this, you would probably encourage them and say, you can do it, you know, you've got to try your best or whatever, but nothing is impossible and you can be whatever you want to be and all that sort of stuff. But as soon as we get to adults, we basically constantly tell ourselves we can't do this. I see it in my job all the time. I speak to people who who have these sort of self-doubt, um, self-talk, self-doubting self-talk, I suppose, where they're telling themselves they can't do certain things or it's not for them or whatever and and realistically, you can do it. You can do most like, listen, I'm not saying you can go and be an astronaut. I say that because I've just, when I was there, I read a book about astronauts. Um, I'm not saying you can be an astronaut. Obviously, it's actually quite difficult. Again, just read a book about it. But a lot of the time we tell ourselves there's things that are impossible, there's things we can't do. And the reality is you probably can. Um, now, mine wasn't too dramatic, I suppose, like three days ago in to stay somewhere on paper. Probably seems a little bit basic. But I think mentally it was weird mate it was well out so after that anyway told myself can't do it so i booked it and i booked it at this place called bali silent retreat and i know what you're thinking oh mate you are getting so bali yeah i know it is very cliche in it but 
you know, if you're going to do a silent retreat, why not do it over here? So I booked it at this place called Bali Silent Retreat, which was, it's, I don't, I'm going to explain it, but some of you may not know Bali. So if I explain it quite simply, like, again, I've touched on it, but Eat, Pray, Love, where she's out in the rice fields and it's all very like spiritual and in the hills. And what a lot of people think Bali is like on paper or like in the heads, like in the middle of rice fields. It was in that sort of area. It was about an hour and a half from where I live, which is a place called Trangu. And it was in a place just outside Ubud um, at this place called Bali Silent Retreat. So the idea is there's no electricity. There's no talking. Obviously, it's a fairly big one considering the silent word. Uh, there is, it was all um, home. What's the word? Organic, homegrown, like there was no air conditioning or things like that. The places that you slept is a little cabin made of wood. I'm going to put some pictures on the Instagram. Um, all the food was vegan and grown in the farms around. The food was actually banging. It was so nice. But it was all organic and fresh and um, grown in the farms just around the retreat. There was different areas that you could go on. There was like this little jungle walk and there was... Um, a fire pit you could sit around every night and there was this area for, for meditation and yoga classes which happened a couple of times a day but other than that there really wasn't much there wasn't much and I think that was one of the the initial things that I noticed when I got there was what do I do like we're so used to constantly doing stuff I am I know my head is a million miles an hour and I love a to-do list and I love like planning my day and I'm very structured and routine and I like I got there and I think within half an hour so I got there, got a tour, shown where things and whatnot are. And then the, the lady who gave me the tour obviously left. She did speak through the tour. She just whispered very quietly. That's how I understood where things were. But then after she left, I didn't really speak to anybody for three days. Um, and just outside my room where I stayed, there was a little chair where I just like sat, read, journaled, whatever. And I sat there for about five minutes like, right, what do I do now? And I noticed the first thing I noticed. The second I got there, I was like, right, okay, let's let's work this out. So the first thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna read, and then I'm gonna go upstairs, I'm gonna get some food, and then I'm gonna do this, and then I'm gonna go to a yoga class, and after my yoga class, I'm gonna go for a walk for the right. And I was trying to plan everything out. And I noticed myself doing it straight away. I was like, that's not the point here, mate. Like, relax, take take a break, calm down. Um so that was probably the first thing that I noticed that the the skill of doing nothing is actually well hard. You know, when you've not got your phone or whatever to scroll on or people around you to have a chat on like it's weird mate it's proper proper weird so I've got a I've got a journal in front so they gave me like a, a little book to sort of write in your thoughts and stuff so I've got it in front of me here because I'm not obviously going to recite the whole thing but it's just going to give me little things to remember to talk to you about that I did so yeah got there and th th the main takeaway the one biggest thing that I noticed from it is time like, I was there for three, three and a bit days. It felt like weeks. It felt like weeks. So there was only one clock, which was in the area where you ate. So you only go to eat, obviously, three times a day. So outside of that, those three times a day, I had no concept of time. So at 5 a.m., this, hey, this is proper, proper barley. But at 5 a.m. every day, there was a gong, like a proper old school gong, like bong, um, which woke you up. So that would happen. I didn't always wake up to it because it's not that loud. Then um, for classes throughout the day. So there's two yoga classes each day and there's two meditation classes each day. And again, they would only be cued in by this gong. So I can't remember the times. I think they were like half six and eight a.m. for yoga. 
then meditation and then it was in the afternoon like three o'clock yoga then half four meditation whatever it was but you'd only know about them by gong and then there was a gong every evening at 7 p.m to say that the fire pit had been lit and if you wanted to go and sit at the fire i love fire by the way like a proper i could sit and watch fire for ages anyway but outside of that oh and for eating there was a gong when food was ready but outside of that i had no concept of time and i found that so hard so so hard but i realized without um technology without my phone without having like this planned and structured day and going to the gym and everything like that there's so much time in the day mate there is so 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 much time and that is the one biggest thing like by far that i've took out um took away from it is how much time there is in day how much time we waste and how much time that could probably be put to better use and i like Listen, when it comes to like my job, I hate the saying we all have the same 24 hours in the day. I, I, do you know who uses that? Jumped up little pricks who are personal trainers who think that they know the world, but they don't. Um, and they think that, well, just because they can train for an hour every day, that means that a working single parent can. No, obviously not. So we don't all have the same 24 hours in a day. So that's not the angle that I'm coming at it from. But what I do think is that we all have so much time than we probably recognise and that we all give ourselves credit for. And like a really easy way of saying this, or checking this is your screen time. It really, really is like, if you don't maybe read a little every day, you don't journal every day, maybe you don't go for a, a walk every day, you don't maybe exercise every day, you don't, whatever, check your screen time. If your screen time on things like Instagram and WhatsApp is is less than half an hour every day, then sound, you, you, you genuinely don't have time. My guess is that a lot of us do. My guess is that a lot of us do. I'd be very surprised if there's anybody listening to this podcast who looks at the screen time and it's less than half an hour a day. In fact, if it is screen printed to me and I will give you £50, that's how confident I am. That was a bold promise, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> I didn't think that one through. You're all going like, to cheat your screen time for a day now so you get 50 quid. Right, I'm retracting that offer, but I will just be really impressed with anyone with less than half an hour. But the point being that we all have so much time in the day and it really made me realise it. Um, I generally filled my time with reading, uh, going to the, the yoga and meditation classes, a little bit of journaling, but I didn't, I didn't, I probably didn't journal all right as much as I thought I would down. I sort of wrote down what I did and, and things like that, but I don't know. I didn't feel the need to, I suppose. And I think that's another thing when I talk about some of the people who I think would go in these sort of things and definitely the, the vibe that I got from a lot of people on there. They were very spiritual. Mate, right, listen to this. There was a couple there. Now, I, obviously, this is another way of thing. If I meet people, yeah, I want to chat to them, find out who they are. Obviously, I couldn't do that. But anyway, there's this couple there. They were very, very yogury, let's call it. But they just kept on hugging. Like, be as spiritual as you want. But, like, when people were plating up food, they would just be there hugging. Like, just constantly hugging. I found it really weird. Um, but I think a lot of the people... What was my point then? I can't remember where I was going with that. Um oh yeah journaling and my, my thoughts and I didn't go for like to unpick my brain like in a non stupid way there's not too much going on in my head like in terms of things that I feel like I really need to dig deep and unpick so that again that's just it's not why I did it but um so I didn't journal too much I, I, I normally journal every day anyway I did that as I usually do I, maybe a little bit extra as thoughts and things came through the day but there wasn't anything too dramatic. The one thing that I did struggle with, and I think one of the points of it, uh, my bedroom was terrible. 
There's a single bed, no electricity, no aircon. There was a mosquito net, but those little fuckers still managed to get in, I think. Um, I got bits of fuck. So sleep was a slight issue while I was there because I didn't have the, the, the comfiest night's sleep, I must admit. But I think the idea is for your room not to be the most comfortable place because they don't want you to just sit in your room all day. They want you to sit outside, go for walks around and take part in the class and stuff like that. The other thing that I think... Now, I talk about mindful eating a lot, but it made me realise how hard mindful eating is. or Not how hard, but how much we don't do it. So basically, this, the food setup was... You would play, there was like a buffet, you would play up your meal and then there was a seated area upstairs, but everyone would sit on their own and you basically had these beautiful views, but you just would have your, your table and a view of wherever. So the view that I could see was like overlooking the jungle and the ocean a little bit. But I talk about mindful eating all the time. You'll have heard me talk about it hundreds of times in this podcast, but I, I don't think I ever had truly mindful eaten the way that I did over the last few days. Because even when, like, say if I, if I, I try and do this all the time. I finish eating when I'm full. I try not to eat with distractions. The things that I advise everyone else to do, I do them myself. But I don't think we ever truly do completely mindful eat. Because even, say if you're eating out at home, maybe there's you can hear noise in the background. Maybe people are with you, which is a good thing, by the way. Maybe there's music playing in the background. Or maybe you're eating but after you've finished eating you've got something to do or somewhere to be and your headspace is just running around of the things that you've got to do and all that so even though we're trying to be mindful there's, there's still stuff going on do you know what I mean so that was the one thing I noticed that I was really fucking mindful eating because there's nothing else to do again going back to that thing I had nothing to do I had nothing to do for three days not in a bad way I think sometimes we chase things to do it was one of the most chilled out especially the third day when was that see how I can't remember the days it's because it went so it took so long and felt very long but the third day I did like five hours worth of yoga and meditation at the end I was just like oh my god I'm so chilled out um I'll be honest there was a point on the second day again I'll lose concept of the days a little bit that I nearly came home because it was hard it's so like it's so hard to just sit there and not do and you can read, like, I went through three books, read three books in total, or what was it called? An Astronaut's Guide to Life on Earth, which is about a guy, uh, an astronaut who'd from Canada. It's really interesting. Chris Hadfield, I want to say his name is. I read one called, that was a finishing called Lost Connections, which is one that a friend gave me. It was really interesting. It was about depression and the treatment of it. And then I read one called, oh, the author's called Brené Brown, and it was called Rising Strong, which is something that, I'd read, I'd saw somebody review it online and I, it translates to the sort of work that I do a lot. So it sort of helps with some of the work that I do with clients. But anyway, um, so read three books. It's a lot of books to be fair in three days, but you, there's only so much you can read. And there was a point where I was sat there thinking, shall I just come home? And I think had it not been that I told people I was doing it, I maybe would have called it a little bit early because it was like, there's no point in dressing up. It was, it was a very, very difficult thing to do. Um, what else were, were big takeaways, were big lessons from it? I'm just looking through. Oh, yeah. And then the fact yesterday, like I say, once I'd, I'd sort of settled and done yesterday five hours worth of meditation and yoga, I never, ever felt as chilled out. And I sort of noticed that, right? Do you know, in day-to-day -day life, like, I don't want to be a preachy little cunt here just because I've been on a few days of quiet. Like, I, I, I hardly think that I know the world. But I do think... I know people because I work with people a lot and 
including myself, right? I don't think I ever speak to anybody who's gone through a week and never thought, never felt some sort of heightened emotion. Now, it could be a negative one like anxiety or stress or worry and all those sort of things, or it could be happiness or like you've been in fits of laughter or you've been really excited about something. Like we, through a week or period of time, even in a day, at some point you're going to have some sort of heightened emotion. I know I didn't have any for three days. Like I was just a total, I'd have loved, I, you weren't allowed technology, so I didn't have my watch. But I would have loved to have had a Fitbit on to tell me my heart rate because I was so fucking calm. I'm swearing about it, but I was so relaxed and so calm. So that was another thing that I really noticed, not um, experiencing emotion of any sort of form. Like, and again, maybe that's just my experience because there was definitely people. So at the fire pit each night, there was pa- pen and paper to write things in. Uh, and then burn, I think that's quite a spiritual thing that people do. And there was people doing that who I definitely thought, okay, you, they're maybe figuring something out in their own heads. I'm not going to lie. I just really wanted to throw things in the fire pit. So I did write a few bits down and put it in, but it, there was nothing too spiritual about it. It was more like, I, I, I really enjoy fire, to be honest with you. Um, but me personally, I didn't really experience any massively heightened emotion. Again, that was just for me, I think. There was definitely people there who maybe did. Uh, but again, I wouldn't know because I didn't speak to any of them. So, that, yeah, I find that weird. Like, I did miss conversation. Like, I would class myself as an introvert. I think anyone who knows me properly would say that I'm an introvert. But, like, I have a podcast where I get people on and ask them questions and talk to them. I do like hearing people's stories. And there is, there is like, obviously, you'd see the same people for a few days and, you know, you'd smile at them and, give a little like appreciative nods or whatever, but to not be able to say, oh, where are you from? Why are you here? Like, and I know that's not the point, but I found that really hard. So we, yeah, I think conversation, um, I don't live with my girlfriend at the moment, although I will very soon, depends when you listen to this podcast, but at the time I don't, um, and not being able to just give her a ring was really weird. And my family, like, I think technology gets a lot of bad rep, social media and being on our phones all the time. And hundred percent, like there isn't, there is lots of uh, negatives or not massive pluses to it. But there's also a lot of benefits. Like the fact that you can speak to people on the other side of the world is mental, isn't it? Like, it is mad. Um, so definitely missed conversation. And yeah, I think those were probably the three biggest takeaways. Conversation, how much, how important it is. Not having emotion and how calm that makes you. I don't necessarily think that that's always a good thing, but... Be aware of emotion, maybe another one. Uh, but the the biggest thing that I cannot stress enough is time. We have so much time, and just please, like, if you've listened to this, notice what you do with your day to day. That's what I'd say. That's the best way of doing it. Like, I'm not. I don't expect everyone to go on a silent retreat. I've done that for you. Um, just listen to this podcast. You basically you can tell people you've done one yourself. But the one biggest thing for me is how much time we have in a day and how much time we probably waste in a day. And that's what I'd ask you to do now. Recognize what you do with the rest of your day. Try this. I've had, I've, I've done this with people before where write your day out in five minute blocks and write down what you do every five minutes. You'd be amazed at how much time is left in that day. Um, and maybe you're somebody who spends a lot of time focusing on other things. Maybe it's family and work and stuff like that. Create time for yourself. No one else is going to do it. Nobody else is going to do it, but the time exists. It might mean getting up a little bit earlier. Like You don't need a gong at five in the morning to do it, but it might mean getting up earlier. But time for yourself is so important 
and there's definitely time in a day for, to find it. Like I say, check your screen time. Look at how you're spending the day. Read more. Journal more. It will help. So that's oof, 20 minutes about. See, that's why I talk so much about it. I haven't spoken for three days. That's generally my thoughts on a silent retreat. If anyone has questions off the back of it, throw them at me. Um, I hope you weren't expecting anything like too deep and spiritual or for me to tell you what the meaning of life is because, yeah, didn't find that. But uh, would I recommend it to people? Yes. Would I do it again myself? Probably not. Uh, like I say, it was, there was... There was a difficult point on the second day, not like emotionally difficult or anything like that. But again, I was just like, what do I do? I really struggled with what to do at that point. Um, but yeah, I would recommend it to anyone because again, if you're thinking fucking hell, there's no way I could do that, then you should be doing it. Don't matter what, it doesn't have to be a silent retreat, but if there's something you're telling yourself, there's no way I can do it. Make it your absolute mission to find a way of doing it. Again, unless it's space travel, because that's not going to be available to everybody. Hope you enjoyed the episode as always. Share it. Let me know what you think. Other than that, hope you're all good. I'm recording this on the 30th of December. So if you listen to it in 2021, have a great new year. If you're listening to it in 2022, still have a great new year. See you in a bit.